my worst enemy The flesh that's covering me Brings me down to my knees Welcome to Sermons in the Park a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Now, before we get started, I want to thank you for joining me. This one is being put out late on Sunday, so this is more of a podcast episode, but... um, I just haven't, wasn't able to do a sermon for Sunday, so I've been dealing with a lot of things, so I'm just going to roll along here, and let's just get started right into this one. You've seen the title, um, you've seen the thumbnail, you've, uh, so you pretty much know where we're going with this, we're talking about prosperity gospel today, Now that was something that Early on in Sermons in the Park, if you go back and you watch and listen to some of the really older videos, I kind of started to head in that direction, uh, sadly. Um, Looking back, I I regret that, but it's one of them things where over time I learned and I got away from that. So, um, Prosperity Gospel is something that I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit. Um, you You guys know I have a few ministers and preachers that I uh, that I speak with Dan Todd was one of them and uh, Reverend Dan Todd asked asked me a long time ago about prosperity gospel uh, and I, I wanted to do something on that so um, let's do that let's get let's get into the prosperity let's talk about prosperity gospel a little bit now back in 2017 um, I, I was doing some research for this one and I found uh, I found uh, some news articles that I, I apparently missed back in 2017, but uh, the United States Postal Service, along with the IRS's criminal division, they actually raided the office of uh, famous televangelist uh, Benny Hill. Um, like I said, I know you know who that is, but you know he, he's very, he's very infamous. Uh, uh, he is a prosperity preacher, and he claims to be a faith healer. But anyway, he's not the only one. There, there are many, many prosperity preachers out there uh, who teach this very heretical belief system. So let's do what we did with you know other pla- other other uh, religions like the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and the the Muslims and stuff like that. Let's look at what you should know about that movement. That movement being the prosperity gospel, uh, uh, as well as you know some of those false preachers um, like Benny Hinn. Let's start with talking about the prosperity gospel itself, shall we? Now, sometimes you'll hear people call it different things. They'll call some will call it the prosperity gospel. Uh, some of them will try to kind of hide that it's prosperity gospel. They'll call it the health and wealth gospel. But the one that you'll hear most, and the one that I actually called myself um, when I did it, was the word of faith. No matter how you sugarcoat it, though, this uh, belief system is a perversion of the gospel. They'll, they'll take 
um, scripture and they'll take it out of context, which is something that since I got away from it, you've heard me call it constantly say you should put the verses in context because if you take them out, you can twist it. You can make it mean whatever you want. Okay. Now the major claim that, um, they have is that God will increase your wealth that God will increase your health and that he will do this to help increase your faith. Okay? They will claim that you can be assured of this divine physical health and as well as prosperity because of your faith. Do you understand what I'm saying here? What they're teaching, what they believe is that health and wealth are your divine right. The divine right of every Bible-believing Christian. And that you, you can receive these things, divine health, divine wealth, by having faith. And that you can have this because of your salvation. Because what they believe is that Jesus died on that cross. And when he did that, he removed not only your sin, okay, but he also removed sickness and poverty from your life. Dr. Uh, Dr. David W. Jones, he teaches at the Southern, uh, Southeastern, I believe, ba uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. He actually, if you look him up, you'll find that he gives an outline of prosperity gospel. He says that there are five things that you... The, the, uh, five different things that about it okay he says number one that the abrahamic covenant is a means to material entitlement meaning that because you're under the abraham the covenant of abraham you're entitled to material wealth and things like that that you're you're entitled to money and uh and a, a nice home and nice car all these things that are material, okay? And we just covered uh, Abraham not long ago, so you know that that's not true. Number two, Jesus' atonement extends to the quote-unquote sin of material poverty because they believe that it's sin that makes us poor and that by being poor, we are living in sin, okay? Number three, Christians give in, Christians give in order to gain material compensation from God meaning because I give everything I've got I'm in I'm going to receive from God God has to give to me because I have given to the church do you understand that's just wrong we all know that that's why you'll hear me a lot of times preach against uh, you know churches that are very adamant about tithing and uh, giving money to the church that is prosperity gospel. Okay? Number four, faith is a self-generated spiritual force that leads to prosperity. Meaning, because you have faith, you're going to, you're going to have prosperity. Because faith is, is a spiritual force and it will gain, give you prosperity. Now, I'm not saying God will not give you, give you things that you need. My wife and my wife can tell you there's been times that God has 
you know, blessed us. But it was a blessing. It was not that we were owed it. It was not that we that uh, you know, because I did something or she did something. No, it's because God did that to help us. I'm not saying that will not happen. But you're not owed anything. God does not owe you prosperity. God does not owe you these things. Number five, prayer is a tool to force God to grant prosperity. Again, they believe that God, again, they believe that God owes us these things because we have given. Because we pray, we're doing something, so God, therefore, owes us. That is what they're getting at here. So if I go to God and I say, God, I want to open this business. It's going to cost me a million dollars. Give me a million dollars so I can open this business. And because what they believe is God, if I have enough faith, God's going to do that. Again, it's not true. Now, I read where Dr. Jones says, that, says this. I'm going to read you what he says here. I got it right here written down. In light of scripture, the prosperity gospel is fundamentally flawed. At bottom, it is a false gospel because of its faulty view of the relationship between God and man. Simply put, if the prosperity gospel is true, grace is obsolete. God is irrelevant, and man is the measure of all things. Whether they're talking about the Abrahamic covenant, the atonement, giving, faith, or prayer, prosperity preachers turn the relationship between God and man into a quid pro quo, pro quo relationship. Again, that's what I'm saying. Me and him are in big agreement on this because God's giving to me because I give to him. God owes me. That's what they're saying. Okay? So this makes me think, doesn't it? And I'm pretty sure it makes you think too. Where did this false gospel come from? Where did it begin? Now, believe it or not, um, the prosperity gospel started in the Pentecostal church uh, just after World War II. It was first introduced into you know these small, little small local congregations, and, and then it and then you know they went out and they had their tent revivals. But you see, it was the radio and television where it then gained a larger following. And by the 1980s, you know, through some of those famous televangelists on TV, it became more firmly entrenched into uh, the American culture. Now, now that I've said that, I want to take a step back and say that I'm not saying that all prosperity preachers are Pentecostal. I'm not saying that all prosperity preachers are uh, charismatics. Okay, I'm not saying that. Just like how most of the charismatic and most of the Pentecostal preachers are not associated with prosperity gospel. Okay, I have a lot of Pentecostal preachers who are friends of mine. Um, one of them I'll name, um, uh, Reverend Franklin out of uh, Louisiana, uh, out of Jonesville. Uh, he's a Pentecostal preacher, great guy. Uh, good, uh, good Road Pentecostal Church, I believe, is where he uh, he preaches from. Uh, and myself, um, I come from a long line. Of Pentecostal preachers, my grand, my grand, my great grandfather on my dad's mother's side uh, was a Pentecostal preacher. Um, um, my um, his daughters all married Pentecostal preachers, except for my grandmother. Uh, Uncle J W was a Pentecostal preacher. Went out on the radio, so I'm not saying that Pentecostal preachers, all Pentecostal preachers, are prosperity preachers. 
Okay, so I just want to make sure I get that out of the way. And as, in fact, as far as I remember from my time going to the Pentecostal church, not once did I ever see or witness prosperity gospel being preached from the pulpit. Um, it wasn't until uh, you know a few years back when I, before my ministry started, when I started to find myself being sucked into that. Um, I never witnessed prosperity preaching before. Uh, but still, we have to realize that yes, the prosperity gospel did start um, in the Pentecostal church. Uh, it, it, in fact, it's still largely connected. To these, you know, what they call themselves the revivalists, uh, in the charismatic, as well as the charismatic churches, and honestly, that is what made it so easy for the prosperity movement to uh, to gain traction, right? In places like you know Africa, South America, and other places like that, where the Pentecostals go and and they they have their um, they have their missionary work. And so the, the Pentecostal uh, faith is growing in those areas. And because of that, of course, the, the uh, prosperity gospel is spreading that way. So now let's talk about some of the preachers who, who do preach that gospel. Um, now the man who is, um, through my research, most people consider the father of the modern prosperity gospel is uh, Oral Roberts. You see... He, Oral Roberts, he became a very influential figure in the movement that he, uh, and he became so influential in that that he actually started his own school, a school that's still open today, and that's Oral Roberts University. And at the height of Oral Roberts' ministry, uh, he was bringing in annually around $110 million. Uh, and, and then you have the most notorious, uh, as well as wealthiest member uh, of the, of, or I should say, prosperity preacher. You know, you have Kenneth Copeland. Now, through my research, I saw that Kenneth Copeland actually attended Oral Roberts University, and, and for a for a time, he was actually Oral Roberts's chauffeur and pilot. Think about that when you think about him with those fancy jets that he's got. These two men, you know, Oral Roberts and Kenneth Copeland, they paved the way for uh, your most famous uh, prosperity preachers from the 80s. People like, you know, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, um, Benny Hinn, uh, Pat Robertson, and don't forget Robert Tilton. You know, uh, today you still have uh, a lot of prosperity preachers, people like uh, Creflo Dollar. Uh, T.D. Jakes, Guillermo Maldonado, uh, and then of course you have the one that I, I consider the most dangerous. You have Joel, Joel Osteen. You have Paul, Paula White as well. And this is, and, and don't believe, believe me, I'm not stopping there for a reason. I just, I don't want to go on because there's so many of them. Because I'm, so I'm only naming those few. So you might ask yourself, how can I identify someone as a prosperity preacher and um, if you get a chance to look up John Piper, because he has a sermon that I like, and I believe, and I, I, I'm just going to use his as a guideline here, because he gave us six things to look for that will help you identify uh, 
if your preacher is preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna pull this back up here. Uh, number one, he says, is the absence of a serious doctrine of the biblical necessity and normalcy of suffering. The absence of a doctor of suffering, meaning. If, if he's preaching that suffering is not necessary, if, su if suffering is not normal, then he's not preaching sound biblical doctrine. Because if, they, if they're leaving that out, or if they're saying that, oh, you, don't, you know, Christians shouldn't suffer, they're, they're, losing, he's, they're, they're completely ignoring the fact that uh, Paul was in prison. Paul suffered pain. Paul, was, Paul he, had the, he was going blind. They're, they're, and then they're having they're leaving out everything about the disciples or, who are the apostles who themselves were all of them died painfully except for John the revelator all of them what about job what about David all these great people who suffered and died number two the absence of a clear and prominent doctrine of self-denial is a tip-off that someone or that something is amiss. Meaning, if they're not teaching you that you have to deny what you want for God, because that is very prominent in doctrine. If you look, if you read, you have to deny yourself. You have to become a living sacrifice, right? If they're not teaching that, more than likely, it's a, it, it is a prosperity gospel. Number three, the absence of a serious exposition of Scripture, like what we do here weekly. If your preacher is not an expository preacher, more than likely, it's a prosperity gospel. If he's just taking verses out of context and using them to make, make a point of something he wants, just to make sure you're happy with something, then he is then more than likely that is a prosperity gospel the absence of dealing with tensions in scripture okay number five church leaders who have an exorbitant lifestyle meaning if you're sitting there in your uh, in the pew on sunday and your preacher's standing up there with gold-rimmed glasses and a big old nice watch and, a, and fingers covered in expensive rings things like that living in a nice big house more than likely, it's a prosperity gospel. Number six, this is the last one he's got on here. A prominence of self and a marginalization of the greatness of God. Again, if you hold what you want higher than what God wants for you or what God demands. If you're going, you know what? God says... The Bible says, uh, let me think of one here. Thou shalt not, you know, commit adultery. Oh, well, he did say that. But you know what? That woman next door, she's she's hot. I'm, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to hit on her. I know she's married. I know I'm married, but I want that. If your preacher preaches that that's okay. You know, stuff like that. If, 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 you're, if you're putting yourself before God and your preacher is preaching that it's okay to put yourself before God. That is prosperity gospel. Okay. Now, we're going to be looking at some surveys here. So bear with me because this is kind of where I started to, uh, in my research, 
we're going to be doing a lot of reading from these surveys, but they're important, right? And I, I wanted to t I wanted to talk a little on what is um, why people are attracted to the or let me correct myself. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little on who is a you know who in America is attracted to the prosperity gospel. Because when I when I was doing my research, I found a uh, on the, the website. Let me look here. YouGov, they had a 2015 survey where they surveyed a thousand American adults. Now these are people who identified themselves as either a born again Christian or an evangelical. Now what they did was they asked about uh, certain preachers. They asked about you know is wealth a sign of God's favor, things like that. One of the questions was this, and I'm going to read you from. Here. I'm going to read it from here. Do you believe that prayer can make you wealthier? Now, well, now, when I was reading this survey, I, I was actually very surprised by uh, some of the answers to, to a lot of these because, with that question there, do, do you believe that prayer can make you wealthier? They found that 15% of white people. 42% of black people and 25% of Hispanic people answered yes. Do you see that? That's 42% of black uh, black people uh, and 25% of the Hispanics. They all answered yes. That's the, that, that, that was kind of surprising to me um, to see that. And, and, and then the next question was this. Is wealth a sign of God's favor? Again, this one surprised me because it was only 9% of the white people, 34% of the blacks, and 24% of the Hispanics. Um, they all answered this. They either said definitely or probably. Isn't that... Yeah. Now, then then they got on to, they got on to talking about preachers. Um, and I only looked at a couple of the ones that they... Uh, they have so i'm going to use some of the ones that more than likely you have heard about um they first looked uh, the first one that i wrote down here um, was uh the uh black the black prosperity gospel preacher named td jakes i'm pretty sure you know who he is right i'm pretty sure most people know td jakes in fact my sister for a while was a follower of td jakes and and i know of quite a few people from work um I actually found a lot of people quote T.D. Jakes, but if you look at him, it's very obvious that he's a prosperity preacher. Um, now, when when they when they were looking at when when they were asking about T.D. Jake, Jakes, black evangelicals were more likely than either the Hispanics or the white evangelicals to have a very favorable or somewhat favorable opinion on him because that was the answers they gave. They came up with 70% of black people had a very favorable opinion of T.D. Jakes. That's high. Now, compare that to 10% of the white people they, they asked and 24% of Hispanics. That is a very high number. Just to, in fact, I'm going to read you some of the some of the um, answers here because most of the white and Hispanic people answered not sure. Seventy-one percent and sixty-four percent 
That's compared to 15% from the blacks. Now, then they add, and I'm not just going with, uh, with, with the race here, because if you look at Creflo Dollar, the results for him were, uh, to me, unsurprisingly, uh, lower. That was 28% of black evangelicals who had a favorable view of him. And, and that's compared to 3% from the white and 8% from the Hispanics. Again, just so you know, we're going to look at the, the uh, white and Hispanics answered, not sure. That was 72% from the whites, 78% for the Hispanics. That's compared to 26% from blacks. But I want to make sure you understand that this is not a race thing here. Um, I went with one of the worst ones here. <laughs> uh, black evangelicals also had a very favorable opinion of the prosperity preacher. I'm going to name off here who is not black. They more than likely have a very and even somewhat favorable opinion of Joel Osteen. That's 51%. 51% of them had a very or somewhat favorable opinion of him. That's compared to 22% for white people, 39% for, for Hispanics. And then you look at, uh, let's look at Pat Robertson real quick. Cause I, I did kind of write some, a little bit more of these down. Uh, 41% for blacks compared to 17% for white, 14% for Hispanics. And then you have Benny Hinn. Remember we talked about him earlier, 23%. For blacks compared to four percent for whites, twelve percent for Hispanics, and last but not least, uh, why not? Let's let's look at Kenneth Copeland here. Thirty-four percent for blacks compared to eight percent for whites and twelve percent for Hispanics. I want to make sure that when I close this out, that they also found that one in four black and Hispanic evangelicals believed at that time that it was acceptable for a religious leader to be wealthy because of his religious work only seven percent of whites believe that um this prosperity gospel affects the poor people because they, it promises wealth and health something that as a poor person we're not guaranteed we, we we worry about don't we we worry about where's our next meal coming from how are our kids going to go to college how are we going to take care of this? That's why that prosperity gospel is so dangerous for the lower to middle, the lower to lower middle, lower to lower middle class, because it promises things that we want. It, but at the same time, we need to realize our reward is in the next life, not in this one. We need to warn people. We need to warn our brothers and sisters about about things like this that's why when i do these i make sure to show you this stuff it's 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 not good now i will try to if, if you're interested i will try to do something where I, I i help you like talk to your 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 family about this because believe it or not you probably have a family member who follows someone like td jakes like my sister I myself, I was a strong follower in prosperity gospel for a long time. Right? But you have to look at this because even Jimmy Swaggart, you know, my, my third cousin, <laughs> Jimmy Swaggart, is a very big opponent of the prosperity gospel. 
There are a lot of people out here who need to be warned about things like that. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's scary what it can do, what it can lead to. I once heard, uh, uh, I'm not going to name his name, a prosperity gospel preacher talk about how he was coming out of a church and this man came up and was begging him. He needed money to get home. He, he needed to be able to, he needed help. He wanted to go home. So that prosperity <laughs> preacher admitted, he stuck his hand out and said, how much money you got in your pocket? The man told him, he said, give it here. He took that man's last few dollars. He admitted this in a sermon. Of course, he flipped it over and said that the next day the man called him, thanking him for taking it because he then went and got a job and was able to get home. But how long did that take? That man, you, you took his last few dollars, the money he needed to call his wife and kids from a payphone. You're going to tell me that that's what God wanted? No. That's not what God wanted. Stay away from this type of stuff. Stay away from the prosperity gospel. It's dangerous. It sounds good. It tickles the ear, doesn't it? But that's what it does. It tickles the ear. Gets your attention. It sounds the same. It's just like with the Jehovah's Witnesses, just like with the Mormons. It sounds the same. But it's just like I told you about Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler says the best lie has just enough of the truth in it to make it palatable. That's what they're doing. And the devil knows the Bible. He knows it better than me. He knows it better than you. He knows it better than Jimmy. He knows it better than Andrew Womack. He knows it better than any of these people, and he will use it. He'll put just enough of the truth in there to attract you. So, thank you all. I, um, I hope that this is, uh, that you learned something from this. I hope that it helps you in some way. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you. I'll see you all soon. God bless you, and I love you. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening. There's joy for the morning, sinner be still. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. So lay down your 